Hi, Ron. I'm here today with uh, Jim Davidson. He's the director of Fine Side Developments. Hi, Jim. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Are you? Yes, yes, very good. Actually, I've just been out for a walk, so I'm a wee bit sort of uh, uh, wet on the head, I guess. It's a wee bit <laughs> cleared your head. That's good. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. Um, At this, least I've still got some of my hair. Yeah, this time of year is good for clearing your head with a fresh yeah, air. That's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's probably yeah. fresh. So, um, so, so, Jim, if you could just tell me a bit about um, the business you're in now and and uh, all the businesses you're in now and 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 what you offer your customers, that'd be that'd be good good start. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, uh, my main business uh, started about 20 years ago in 2003 is Fineside Developments. Uh, we are what's called a ground up property development company. So what that essentially means is that we build new build houses as opposed to maybe taking over an existing building and renovating it as a lot of people who call themselves property developers are. So we're essentially a property developer. What we do is we source land, we source this off-market land, uh, land that traditionally is on sale is far too expensive. So we have to source it. We negotiate with the existing land owner. Uh, we then put in place all the different permissions that's required uh, in, in the UK. Uh, permission for building land is actually quite a tricky process. Um, and therefore there's quite a considerable uplift in value that happens once we get permission. Uh, so that's one of our profit centers. The second one is actually when we build out uh, the site itself, um, and that's an additional profit uh, profit center. Um, about uh, three years ago, I was uh, filming one of our uh, developments, and uh, I started a YouTube channel. Uh, this was just prior to the sort of like uh, early days of the, uh, the pandemic. In fact, in 2020, it was now it's almost four years ago, I guess. Um, and so um, that generated some inquiries, people saying, oh, actually, how did you do this? Um, and um, so therefore I started a training company and that fulfilled one of my lifetime passions. Um, unlike most people, uh, I actually like being in front of an audience. I actually enjoy that speaking process. Um, I was a member of Toastmasters uh, for, for 20 years, so I kind of honed my skills um, I have spoken, the largest audience I've spoken in front of is 3,000 people, um, and um, I actually find smaller audiences more terrifying to speak in front of than, than larger ones. Uh, so that's kind of, in a nutshell, what I do, and I basically help uh, people become property developers on the training side, and we build um, fairly nice homes uh, for residential clients. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. No, I appreciate that. And, and uh, um, people listening might be wondering, um, this is this is obviously a podcast aimed at people who are interested in franchising in one form or another. And, you know, we're going to get onto that because um, there's a there, there's a link here with with Jim and, and his background and, and past with franchising. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. But uh, in terms of property development side of things, how long have you been involved in, in that? So you, you mentioned, was that 20 years? Yeah, so so I, I've kind of always had an interest in property uh, right from a very early age. Um, I was actually at school when I uh, purchased my first property with my brother back in 1973. Uh, we purchased a, a flat um, or an apartment, so depending on where you're viewing from, what you call it, um, in the student district of Edinburgh. Uh, that property we bought for seven and a half thousand. Uh, six years, uh, sorry, four years later, I bought my brother out of it. 
and it was uh, worth 14,000. And by the time I sold it two years later, it was worth 21,000. So that kind of caught my interest, very good capital appreciation. Of course, it was the 1970s, high, high uh, hyperinflation, in fact. Um, so that sort of uh, spurred it, but they always gave me an interest in property. Uh, it was very difficult to get into doing property in the way that I do it today at that stage. Uh, and so therefore, um, I, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an option. I had a, a fairly successful uh, 10 year career um, uh, in retail um, and I left a position as assistant general manager of a store employing about 320 of a staff. Uh, to set up my own business and I established in 1983 a small, uh, well, in fact, that I, I took a shop over and we grew that to uh, a chain of four um, uh, four, uh, four convenience stores and um, a, a petrol station or gas station. Yeah. Okay. And and as far as franchising is concerned, Jim, and you're, uh, you know, you've been in, you've, you've, had, you've lived in the US and in Florida, I saw, and, and, and obviously you've been back in, and now you're back here and what what's been your experience in franchising in that time because you've obviously started businesses and you've and you've done various things where 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 is franchising fallen in your thinking in over all these years um and 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 yeah how how have you and yeah how have you come across it and, and viewed it yeah I, I mean i guess my earliest uh thought in terms of franchising was actually when i had the convenience stores because we we looked at uh, a number of franchises. And in fact, um, you, you mentioned I went to Florida and I actually came down to a decision. I was looking at a franchise, uh, which was a, was a printing franchise at that time. Um, and um, one of these sort of quick print, uh, print places. Um, and I also had the opportunity to, to move to Florida. And, you know, I live in the UK, the weather is not particularly great. And we, you know, I, I, it was always like, I thought a dream of mine, I actually want to live in a better climate. And, um, and so I was, so I was torn between the two, which do I do? Do I go? So I was right. I had decided that I was coming out of, of the convenience store businesses. I pretty much sold them all by that time. But during that process, I'd been looking at franchising and then I had been looking at Florida as well as a, as an opportunity. And Florida is the one that ultimately won. Um, I, I ended up there. So so I had had an early inkling into what franchising was and investigated several franchises. I'd had meetings with, with fran uh, master franchisors uh, during that period of time. But my real experience, I guess, with franchising didn't come until I came back from Florida and um, came back. Um, I'd had uh, uh, several businesses in Florida, came back um, in 2000. Uh, my mother at that time was ailing and, and sadly she passed away within about five weeks of us returning. But um, I, I decided that I was going to settle back into Scotland, uh, where, where I currently live. And I was then looking, OK, what am I going to do uh, now? I was far too young to retire. Um, and and I don't even even now I'm past retirement age. I don't want to retire. So so that tells you something. Um, so I looked at um, I looked at different uh, opportunities and um, I came across this uh, franchise that I was interested in. And again, I was looking at again at several franchising opportunities then. Um, and this was a, a dry cleaning franchise. And what was what was actually being offered to me was a con. It was a concept that. Um, had been uh, created in Germany. Um, this guy who had a, an equipment a dry cleaning equipment manufacturing business had previously 20 years prior to that set up a, a franchise, uh, had sold it out. 
um, and was now looking to uh, create a new franchise. And, uh, and this new franchise, as I say, was based on the German model. Um, he had bought rights uh, to do this from the German company. And um, I was offered the master franchise rights for the whole of Scotland. Now, at that time, there was no, there was no uh, uh, um, business, there was no units, I should I say, or no franchisees uh, within Scotland. So the idea was that I would set up some units and then I would bring in some additional franchisees and, and obviously um, I would share in, in the, the franchise fee profits and, and that would come out of that. Uh, but also I would be responsible for, for looking after them. So that kind of that kind of gives you an idea of, of how where my interest is. And I, I'm willing, to, I'm quite happy to talk about my experience from there, if, if you like. Yeah, I, I, I suppose, um, Jim, did, were you planning to become a, a master franchisee, as it were, or, or did that just, did, did it happen? Were you looking for it or did it did it kind of find you? So I think it kind of find, it found me in as much as that I was I was interested initially in the franchise uh, as a franchisee, um, and it was then proposed to me uh, that I might uh, become the master franchise or uh, for for because what they were looking to do was to carve the the UK up into certain regions and Scotland was quite a tidy region to uh, for that to happen so um, so I was offered that opportunity to to actually take on that that, that particular uh, master franchise or okay uh, yeah and I, I think yeah you know, we we've um, we've we've seen this a lot I mean it's a very common it's a very common expansion model for brands to 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 seek out a partner uh, at a master franchise level to take on the responsibilities for a country or a larger region within a, a geographic area um, and then uh, and then get involved in the development of that area, typically through finding franchisees and supporting them. Um, the biggest problem we've we found um, is that when people invest in a master franchise, the actual the structure, whilst it might be quite good in the home country where where the franchise was grown originally, um, obviously in the UK, Scotland, it's a totally different environment and. It hasn't been tested and, and therefore you cannot just take a template that's worked there and, and put it here. So what, what was your experience of that? What did you believe you were investing in in terms of time and money? And, and where did that differ in terms of actually what you what you saw or what you got? Yeah, that, that, and that's kind of an interesting observation uh, from yourself, because uh, the, the, the tried and tested model was definitely in Germany. The, the the concept was brought as you as we say to the UK and it was it was it was really at that time in its infancy uh, of only being tested in two two locations around London um, and 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 apart from that I don't think it actually worked there ultimately when I look back at it um, and it certainly didn't work work in my my situation um, I th I, th I think the 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 initial a sort of thought process um, at the time was, um, and and this is something that that we have to be aware of. Opportunities come our way, and uh, you know we can either be very early to the deal or we can be late to the deal. And there's so many times I've been late to the deal, um, and um, and so being late to the deal means that you don't necessarily, you know, if it if it's a franchise uh, franchise, you don't necessarily get the best locations. Uh, whereas if you're early to the deal, you get the pick of the, the best locations. 
Um, so usually the larger cities are the better locations, depending on what the franchisee franchise is. Um, and so, so uh, and not only that is that, uh, particularly as being offered a master franchise, uh, here was an opportunity to be very much in the ground floor. And, and ultimately I saw myself probably being included as a director of, of the, the parent company uh, because I would be an important element and, and help them grow. So, so there, was a, there was definitely uh, a very exciting opportunity there. Um, I wouldn't like to say I was naive because I, you know, at that, at that stage, um, I had been, uh, you know, had experience of business for coming on for almost 20 years. Um, so uh, 18 years to be exact. So it wasn't like I was naive to business or naive to that. Um, I thought I properly checked it out. Um, I did a lot of investigation. I did a lot of my own market research. I had accountants pour over it. Um, and, and everything seemed to be good. Uh, the concept seemed to be good. Um, and where where it really uh, it, it was it was fairly apparent right from the beginning once we opened the first unit, uh, the setting up of the unit was fine. Everything that was was great, uh, which which makes sense because that's was their business. Their core business was equipment and setting up units. So so they were very good at that. We got a good location. There was no doubt about that. Um, but what really lacked um, was the the marketing of the business. They didn't have a clue how to market the business. And the, the problem is that when you're investigating, um, when you, well, this is my experience, in investigating the, uh, the franchise, one of the things is that they are going to protect their marketing material. So <clears throat> you're going to be told that the marketing is all there, but you're not really going to be given necessarily a lot of insight into the marketing because that's obviously part of their intellectual property um, and so therefore had I been able to see what the, the, the marketing material was which was non-existent actually in this case um, then uh, I, I would have, you know I would have definitely looked at it very very differently so I was very much left to come up with uh, my own marketing plan which I did uh, and we managed to get um, a certain turnover going through, but we lost a lot of initial groundwork. And particularly when you open a business um, and you've suddenly got all this, this head over uh, overhead coming through and you've got zero income coming in as, as it was. In fact, it was, it was day two before we actually got our first customer come through the door. So, so you've got this huge overhead and it really took the time it dawned on me that, that, that what they had said would work, wouldn't work. Um, which which took me a, about a, a month because you know I expected it to it was to start growing, um, and we had certain marketing that was going out, uh, and we're waiting for that to work, um, and then actually putting in a new marketing plan probably was about two months. Suddenly we had a period of two months where we had very very little income in, and then trying to recover from that uh, was 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 extremely difficult. Now fortunately I had good cash reserves. Um, and 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 so therefore I was able to survive that. Um, and then as we went on, it was it was the, there was just completely uh, there was a breakdown between me and the master franchisor. Um, I was you know uh, I was obviously very concerned, and in fact I had to get um, a, a, a legal team involved in it uh, because uh, they were they were demanding payments, and I was saying you know you haven't provided, uh, I'm not paying you. 
because what you have provided is purely just equip the shop. In other words, you've made a profit out of it. And actually, you've charged me far more for the materials than you really should have either as well. So actually, you owe me money. So I actually then tried to get I tried to sue them to get money because as they had really uh, uh, it was it was a bad experience. Um, ultimately, um, I decided uh, to take the painful decision to close the business. And it's the first time I've ever actually closed a business. Um, and it was it was a dilemma of where is this going to go? And one of the reasons that we closed it um, was because a, a very uh, successful national competitor was going to be opening a drive-through dry clean business 100 yards down from our road. Uh, I, I believe we could have actually rescued the business, but with that potential competition coming in, um, I felt that it, and it was a wee bit difficult for people to park outside our store. So uh, I believe that that was just, it wasn't worth making the further investment uh, to try and rescue the business. So I decided to to, to shut the doors. Yeah, no, it, it, Jim, it's interesting hearing you talk because that was, um, what, that was 20 years ago, right? Just, just Yes, yes. so this was 2001, 2002. It was kind of strange because you, you know, we all talk about 9-11 and you know exactly where you are. And I was standing, I remember exactly where I was standing at that time. And it was, and the, and the store had only been open six days at that time. And uh, um, yeah, so it, yeah, yeah, yes, it was, it was 20, 22 years, 23 years ago now, I guess. September, September 3rd is when we opened. So yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's about the time I started to get into franchising properly and um uh, what what's you you won't know this but i do um because i've been in franchising ever since is the same problems the same problem that you've just described there um it, it reoccurs all the time where really? where you get yeah it does and and you get people investing in a master franchise um and then they're let down uh by 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 the structure and and often it is a it's the marketing side because if there's no marketing plan or if there's if the franchise, you know, if the original franchise brand cannot actually give a, a certain template uh, in a different country to that owner, to that master franchisee, then you're actually asking that new, you know, that new master franchisee to create their own marketing plan. Well, that's like starting your very own business from scratch. Yes. And, 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 and if you start your own business, you'll know this because you've done it. Um, a few times um, it takes a while to get the marketing plan correct you have to tweak it you make mistakes you waste money you try things you do it again all the time time is bleeding away um, that's exactly what happened with you there um, and it's not it's it's really not your fault um, you you and, and this continues to happen it's the most frustrating thing I see in franchising, it, it it doesn't only happen at that high level, at a master level. It happens at these, you know, at a much lower level, at a single unit level. You know, just a van based franchise or a single location franchise. It it happens all the time, and so many of the problems stem from that the fact that there's just not a good marketing out the box uh, plan, and, and that's provided. Um, and 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 you know, it's just it's just crazy to me. And so so I think. For anyone listening that is at that level of investment, but looking to invest sometimes up to half a million pounds to, yeah. to get the, the country rights from master, you know, between 100,000 and 500,000 typically, um, be very careful and be very, very diligent. And 20 years ago, 21 years ago, you didn't have the internet like you have now, of course, to, to, to do your research. So 
research is much more in a way much more easy um but you still can't uncover everything and and so to me i i believe that you you have to if you don't feel if anyone looking at franchising at any level doesn't feel there's transparency there in and yes you've got to sign ndas confidentiality agreements all that kind of stuff we are you know i understand brands have to protect themselves but but then it comes down to gut feel a little bit and and if you don't feel you get the answers you need then there's other opportunities out there and and, and probably it's best to best to walk away um because but but lots of people don't you know if you if you buy into a concept uh and it seems the right timing and you want to be the first in there um and you're 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 believing what you're told without being able to be shown it because as you say there was some protection there jim from an ip perspective i'm sure that 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 brands can lean on um it it just leads to failure and it's a real shame because because uh, there's probably some small things that could have been done that could have changed that whole experience and and 20 years on who knows? You know, you 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 might have a huge chain of of dry cleaning uh, outlets that, or that you might have sold, and 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 the franchise would have been really really happy. So, um, what would you do differently, Jim? Yes. Well, yes. So, um, so first of all, yeah, the, I suppose the difference is there's two, two things you mentioned: gut gut feeling, and there was a period actually where I had a bit of a gut instinct and I and it was it was before we actually completely went ahead with it uh we were we were raising finance for equipment um and um there was I'd asked for a particular report from them and it, and the report was flimsy to what I expected I expected something a bit better than that so that I but I kind of I ignored my gut um and, and normally I don't but I did in this instance uh, so that was that was 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 definitely the one one thing about it. Um, I I think one of the things that uh, that they actually did because as I said they actually had franchise ease before, and um, I had during this period of time I had actually got quite close to uh, to one of the directors with the company, and I probably trusted him too much. You know I'd been bought I'd been bought into his trust. And uh, there was one there was one store that he had opened that was near where I was going to be located. There wasn't going to be any competition. It wasn't that near. Um, but he took he already told me about a story and a problem that he'd had with this this particular person. Um, and so therefore, there's a, there's a technique that they use and, and uh, network marketers use this technique. It's interesting. Um, and what they say is that they they, they remove the negative. And I can't remember. They have a term for it. But, but in other words, somebody is saying, oh, they're all excited. They go to a network marketing uh, thing and they're all excited. And they're going to sign up. And then they go home and somebody says, oh, no, you don't want to do this because of boom, boom, boom. So what they do is they say, you know, look, yeah, you're really excited. Now, when you go home, your partner is going to say this, this and this to you. So when they go home, their partner says, yes, this, this and this. And they say, yeah, well, I knew they were going to say that. So I, you know, I'm fine. I can go ahead. So he did that sort of technique. He's saying, look, you can go and speak to this guy, but this is what he's going to tell you, blah, 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 blah. And I'll give you the background to it. And it all seemed very reasonable. So I think there's an, a, a, a cautionary tale in that respect is that if somebody's telling you a story, 
you know, be cautious about what they're really telling you. And, and is that is that really true? Now, ultimately, one of the things that I found, and this is maybe not quite so relevant, but I actually found when I got into the industry and I started speaking to different suppliers, which I hadn't been able to, hadn't done up until that time because I didn't even know who they were. Um, there was one particular equipment manufacturer or one equipment supplier who actually took uh, the equipment when I decided to close the business uh, out um, uh, and took it out. And he said, yeah, he says, I, I kind of like, I was a bit kind of sorry because I had an obligation to this guy because we, we, you know, we supply equipment for him, but I knew his history and, you know, I could see where this was going. So I, I so I guess is maybe try and if it's in an industry, try and speak to other people in the industry to see if there's any history of that. And what this guy told me, which was really quite alarming, was that one of the directors, and I don't know which one it was, had actually gone to jail for fraud. So, right. so, so uh, th there was there was evidence out there. I think the problem was trying to find that evidence. And of course, as you rightly said, the internet was in its infancy in those days. It probably you probably couldn't have found it. We were definitely only in dial-up at that stage. Yeah. Um, so finding that information and it wasn't it wasn't even, people didn't even think about going on to the Internet to find information. They really looked on it. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I can't even think what we what we looked at in those days. Um, I think it was more for email. I think we signed on to yeah. AOL and we got email yeah. and you got mail. And that was about the sum of it, you know. So uh, so there weren't the research tools. Um definitely research 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 and try and just try and get into the industry that you're looking to get into that people who know what they're doing speak to suppliers speak to uh, so because even though i i sought like accountants advice solicitors advice or that they didn't understand the industry they didn't have any experience of the industry they wouldn't have been in the know they're very good at giving you the general knowledge that you need for you know looking at the the, the numbers and looking at the legalities of it but they don't have that sort of insight. So I would say get into that industry and find out people who are in that industry. Go and speak to competitors. Um, you know, yes, obviously you might be ending up being their competitor, but you, you'll glean some information from them as well. You know, they'll probably try and talk you out of it, but, you know, maybe for a good reason, they might try and talk you out of it. Yeah. And, and, and and also make sure that there's a good marketing plan back in back in oh, up. One hundred percent. And, and yeah. yes, sorry, I was going to touch on that because because it's what you're saying is absolutely right. The marketing is is one hundred percent key. And had almost had I not known that there was a mark, there wasn't going to be any marketing. I would have sorted the marketing out before I opened the doors. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, so that that is absolutely key. And and definitely when you start a business, you have to figure, you know, if, if you're starting on your own, you do have to figure out the marketing. So as we talked about earlier, you know, I've started a training business. I'm still figuring out the market. I've been doing this for two or three years. I'm still figuring out the marketing of that business. It's completely, you know, although I understand marketing for one type of business, marketing is different for different types of businesses. And I'm still trying to understand the marketing for, for that business so yes absolutely um uh, the marketing is absolutely key and i and i actually wonder if if they're really and, and you, you maybe know the answer to this you know if you are looking at a franchise 
is can they not give you some idea of the marketing? I just think the fact that they're saying, no, we can't give you any of this. Surely with a non-disclosure agreement, they can at least have you, give you some idea of what the marketing, uh, in terms of campaigns that are available. Yeah, Jim, these days, I think, um, you know, I think, I think pre-internet and everything, there was a lot more, um, people were a lot more guarded against giving giving away IP and being worried about telling people too much about a business in case competitors got in there or people set up their own business or, or all that kind of stuff. I, I think these days there is much more transparency. We see it everywhere. You know, we see it in, in people's profiles on LinkedIn and what they say about themselves personally. It, it's way more you know people aren't afraid of, of of saying what what things are or people knowing certain things and and i think companies are becoming the same you know it's not a it's not a fear anymore that you're giving away information it's um if you don't give that information away then then you're not gonna you're not gonna attract the right people and so so it, it's definitely changed um and you do you do definitely these days get much more detail on marketing but you will be required to sign you know ndas and and confidentiality agreements for sure and typically um that kind of level of detail about marketing plans and things will, will come after you've paid a deposit as well so whatever level um and and that's normally a reasonable size deposit um depending on as a percentage of the the overall fee uh and and at that point the franchisor should feel pretty pretty comfortable uh, and should share that information. And if they don't, um, that then I, I would certainly say, yeah, uh, is probably walk away. You know, have an ultimatum and 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 walk away at that point because uh, it's okay if a franchisor says we don't have a marketing plan for the UK. If they're a German company, that's okay as long as you know that. As you say, yeah. as long as you know that upfront and you have experience in marketing it's a negotiation point maybe you can negotiate on the fee a bit more maybe you can understand there's oh there's more risk and therefore okay um we can negotiate on the on the upfront fee maybe or or whatever or the fee structure um but but to be yeah to be told there is a plan and not to be shown it and for the and and for brands to hide behind you know confidentiality and things i i think that's very wrong i wouldn't touch any investment mm. Uh, in, in franchising that that kind of uh, that one of the like things that i would say because you, you did ask me uh you know uh, um i think i think when you look at something and you invest a lot of time in looking into an opportunity and you get so far down the road um you kind of feel so invested in it it becomes more difficult to walk away um and i think the piece of advice i would offer there is is uh I understand it's very difficult because because that was kind of the situation I was in, and I was thinking, well, what do, if I don't do this? What am I going to do now? And I've invested so much time and, and effort into it, and some expenditure, obviously, as well. Um, but I think you you then have to you know just focus for for a little while on what would happen if it completely went wrong. What would what position would you be in then, um, and how dire could that be? Uh, because ultimately, you could lose everything, and and you know, losing, you know, that time invested and maybe whatever funds that you put in at that stage, would that be, would that be worth losing when, if you, if it meant that ultimately you might lose everything. So I think you have to be very real with yourself on that. And that that's very difficult because it's an emotional thing. And yeah, I, I agree. We're driven uh, yeah, by our emotions. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that, well, that's how, that's how everything is sold these days. Yeah. Um, you only have to turn on the telly and, and watch any advert. I mean, one out of every two is, 
is trying to tap into your your emotional kind of intelligence yes. uh, with, with the way they with the ways and and franchising is no different. You know the stories you hear and uh, it's all very emotional and and you buy into it. You're right. And and the more you buy into it, the more you kind of trust. And then the more you trust, the less you ask, the less you want to ask. Uh, and then you go down a bad path sometimes. So you know I, th I think you're right. You have to sometimes be a bit more. Um, uh, black and white about things uh, and trying to remove the emotion, which can be difficult because we're all human. Very right? tough. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's that difficult. So so Jim, on on a final point, I, what I wanted to ask is, um, uh, you've got your own successful business now, and 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 nothing to do with franchising. Uh, have you been put off franchising? What what? How do you view franchising in light of maybe uh, yeah, obviously a negative experience, but. How, how do you look at franchising in the UK right now? No, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not against franchising. Um, I think. I think. Uh, I, I guess there's two ways that I would look at that. One is if I was going to be a, a franchisee or a master, you know, a, a, a franchisee. I guess is um, I. Uh, I tend to be uh, my own. You know, I tend to like to do what I want to do, and obviously, franchising by nature has has certain restrictions. Naturally, they need to protect their brand, they need to protect their methodology. So, I'm I don't know entirely if I would be a great franchisee um, in terms of franchising. Or so one of the things I had I have considered is at some point was was perhaps taking the training business and turning that into a franchise. Um, the problem that I, that I, I guess for me, um, you know, at, at, at my age, I kind of felt, I don't know if I really want to put that amount of effort into it because what I do understand about franchising is that it's, it's very much, there's a huge, you know, if you're going to be good at it and you're going to service your franchisees properly, there's an awful lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. And, and to set it up properly, to have all the systems and the support system, um, so there's a huge front end uh, that you need to provide the franchisee in order to get them to 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 become successful. Um, obviously, once they become successful, that that becomes that much easier on the franchisor. But but the franchisor does need to you know if they're going to be good at it, then they've got to provide a massive amount of of support and and you know every, all the training and everything that goes into that. Um, because basically what they, you're giving that person is a business in the box and you are uh, you want to be dedicating yourself to to ensure that they're successful. Um, I don't know that I, 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 I so I understand what would need to be done and I wouldn't want I wouldn't do it half heartedly. So yeah. for me, uh, I'm not I'm not put off either way of the franchising model. I think if if it's good, um, then I think it's very it, it's very it, it's a good model. I also think that good businesses actually, you know, who are not franchisee uh, franchises are uh, should uh, adopt the franchise model. So you know, Michael Gerber, who uh, produced the book uh, uh, the the E Myth, uh, bases. Uh, how to structure a business um, on the franchise model, um, and and you know a, a successful business will have adopted a franchise model even if they're not a franchise uh, themselves. So no, I'm I'm very positive about it. There, but there are a lot of sharks out there. There's no doubt about that. No, I think uh, Jim, I think that you made two really absolutely brilliant points to end off on there. One, you're right. Um, if you're too entrepreneurial franchising really isn't for you i mean i can say that and and so if you're someone that's started lots of businesses and moved around like you have you, you're not 
it's going to be hard to find a fit yeah. within a franchise, uh, uh, you know, within a franchise brand because because you will become the biggest pain in there. Um, you know what? Yes. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and that won't be good. On the other side, you're absolutely right. Franchising is a journey. And, and if you have a successful business and, and you and you're thinking about franchising that business, um, it's a it's a medium to long term journey. It's not you know, it's not a quick turnaround and a quick, quick build and sell or whatever you whatever you're thinking. You, you've got to you've got to be looking at it minimum five years, absolute minimum, but more likely 10 to 15, maybe maybe 20. Um, and your commitment really is to people and, and because you're supporting other human beings who are giving up a lot, who are risking a lot um, to invest in, in your business. And they're relying on you to help them grow, you know, their smaller part of that business yeah. as a franchisee. And, um, and it's just, it's a, it's a very uh, difficult journey to go on if you're not prepared for it. And um, so I, so I think, I, I think those are, those are really, really two excellent points. And, you know, Jim, it's, it's good to hear that you still talk positively about franchising. And of course, um, if, if you come across anyone interested in franchising in any way, you know, please send them my way. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a very honest chat with them and, and um, give them, give them the information they need. And, uh, but, uh, but Jim, no, th thanks so much for your time today. And it's been really, it's been really interesting talking about your, your past dalliances with, with franchising. Thank you. No, I've been, I've enjoyed our chat. Um, it's, it's been good having to revisit some pains, but, uh, but uh, they're, they're now thankfully way in the past. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and good luck, good luck with your business. It sounds, Thank sounds, you. sounds, sounds great. I, I think I might, uh, I might, I might buy your book. Um, it looks really <laughs> interesting. So, oh, all right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, yeah, Jim, have, have a good, have a good to my channel. They're welcome to do so. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us. So where, where is that? Tell, tell, so, tell so, us. So it's a YouTube channel and it's a build it and prosper. Uh, so it's got, you know, it's got its own name. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a smallish channel. We've only just got under 4,000 subscribers, but uh, it's growing. So, uh, yeah, right. uh, there's about, there's almost coming on for 200 videos on there. So there's, there's plenty of content for people to consume. If that's something they're interested in. All right. So build, build it and prosper, build it and prosper. Yeah. Yeah. Search, search for that. So, yeah. All right, Jim. Well, excellent. Thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see you later. Okay. That's great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.